Welcome to Genesis. I'm so excited that you're here tonight. My name is Kevin, and I know that there's some of you that I haven't met yet, and I'll tell you why. I've been out for several weeks. Um, my wife and I, my wife, uh, she gave birth to twins recently. They're actually uh, a month old now, and uh, so I've been out, and we've been just enjoying life with the twins. I have a picture of them I'd like to show you. That's uh, Luke on the left. That's my only son, my first son that I've ever had. And so that's Luke on the left and Leah on the right. And so uh, we've been having a great, great time with our kids. But I've been out. I just want to thank Mike and uh, Ryan and Carly and everybody training on the team. Just doing a great job while I was gone. And how about Mike on the bass tonight? I don't know if you guys noticed that, but first time... Playing bass tonight with the worship team and uh, did an incredible job. I thought, I, thought, I mean, that sounded great to me. Uh, man of many talents. So we've been in a series called The Tweetable Gospel, or Tweetable Gospel. And uh, we've just been taking these short, tweetable phrases that kind of summarize uh, the gospel. Because the gospel is so powerful. The, the Apostle Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation, for everyone who believes. It's the power of God. The gospel is good news. And so uh, I'm really excited to get into this tonight. Uh, I've missed, uh, you know, most of this, se- all of this series except for tonight, but uh, really excited to get in. And I want to start with the story because I remember when I was a kid, probably five or six years old, and um, something happened. I-, I did something and I got like in really, really big trouble with my parents. And I'm I don't even remember what it was, but I just remember getting in trouble, and, and they were really on my case, and I felt like it wasn't fair. I felt like this was not fair at all, whatever had happened, and, and I felt like I was being punished wrongly, and so I decided that I would run away from home. And so I went to my room, and uh, I, had a, 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 I got a stick from the backyard and uh, took it to my room, and I got out this old handkerchief because I had seen like on cartoons and stuff, that when you go on like a journey, you tie a handkerchief or some kind of like little knapsack on the end of a stick, and you put the stick like on your shoulder. Has anybody ever seen that from a cartoon? I've never seen anybody actually do it in real life, but in my mind, I'm thinking, I'm going to run away from home, and this is going to be my luggage. I'm like five years old, I don't have a suitcase. So I, I uh, <clears throat> fashion a handkerchief, you know, unfold it, and I put some like valuable things in that I'm going to need for my journey, like a shirt, some Hot Wheels. And I tie it up onto the stick, and I, and I put it on my shoulder. And so I'm like, okay, this is it. You know, I'm running away from home. And uh, <clears throat> nobody really made a big deal about it. You know, they were kind of like, okay, we'll see you later. <clears throat> this is, you know, this is way back in the 80s. Nobody, my parents didn't even care where I was, you know. Uh, it was complete freedom. They didn't even know where I was most of the time. So uh, I'm walking down the street, running away from home with my knapsack, and uh, I get like to the end of the block and uh, kind of had like a little bit of an identity crisis. Am I really the type of kid that can live on the streets? <laughs> and uh, I decided that, you know what, I'll probably just go, go back home. And, but then there, that creates another problem because going home, then I have to deal with the shame of not only did I get in trouble, and, but then I ran away from home and then I couldn't even pull that off. And I didn't even have the guts to actually get off of my street. 
And so just dealing with the shame of that and how, how you know, would everybody react to me coming in and, you know, they'd probably laugh like, oh, I knew you couldn't do it. I knew you couldn't run away from home. And so, uh, but I couldn't live on the streets. And so I just decided, well, you know, it's getting late and I'm just, I'm just going to call it a day and we're going to go home. And so I uh, took my knapsack and my stick home and walked in the door. And when I walked in the door, uh, instead of being made fun of, um, everybody was kind of, so I had a big family. I have three older sisters. I was the youngest and the only boy. And, uh, but everybody were like, oh, we're so glad that you came back. I'm so glad you didn't stay you know, gone, and I'm, I'm glad you didn't run away from home. We're so happy to have you back. And uh, you know, my mom's like giving me a hug, like, oh, I'm so glad to have you. And so um, it, what's, what's interesting about that is that um, it's a lot like the gospel. Sometimes we think that we can't go home because of the things that we've done wrong or because we're embarrassed to admit the things that we've gone, on, uh, gone wrong. Or we're, sometimes we're embarrassed to uh, just face the music and face the people that we failed. <clears throat> but just like that, all my shame was gone, and my identity as a member of the family was like instantly restored, and it was no big deal after that. We've all been there, okay? We've all made like huge mistakes. We've all fallen short, and we've all failed. But those failures, they can weigh us down with a heavy burden of shame. And shame can prevent us from getting all out of our relationship with God that we can, okay? But we can always come home to the cross. We can always come home. At the cross is where our identity is restored because at the cross, we're just God's kids. And when I came home that night, it didn't matter like the things that I had done. I was just my parents' kids, my sister's brother. Like that's who I was. And that's us when we go to the cross. When we come home to the cross, we're God's kids. We, are, we have all failed, but we are not failures. That is not our identity. So the tweetable gospel statement that I have for you tonight is this. The cross of Christ erases our shame and awakens our identity. The cross of Christ, it transforms us. At at the cross where Jesus' blood was shed, that's, that is so powerful. The love of God is so powerful. And I think just even one drop of Jesus' blood is so powerful that at the cross, our shame is just erased and our identity is awakened. Um, when I was looking through Scripture and I was thinking, who had an identity crisis in Scripture? Who really had a problem with their own identity and they, who struggled with knowing who they were in Christ or who they were in God? And I, uh, I felt impressed to really study the story of two kings, and uh, Kings Saul and King David. And looking at their stories and, and uh, just studying a little bit about each one of them, uh, we could really learn a lot about identity and how to deal with shame. So uh, first we'll start with King Saul. Now King Saul, uh, he was called by God. He was called by God to be the king of Israel. Israel wanted a king. They didn't need a king, but they, they wanted a king. And so God said, okay, I'm gonna give you a king even though all you really need is me. 
but I'm going to give you a king. And uh, Saul was chosen. And when Saul was chosen to be king, uh, everybody was looking around like, okay, so where is he? Let's, let's, let's do this, you know, let's, let's crown him, let's, uh, let's celebrate, he's going to be our king, and nobody could find Saul. And in fact, the, uh, the prophet Samuel, he had to pray and he had to ask God, like, God, where is uh, Saul? Where is he gone? And God spoke to him, he says, he's hiding. He's hiding behind the luggage. And so uh, God speaks to that, and then they go and they find him, and sure enough, he's like hiding behind all the equipment, all the stuff this was Saul's like big moment, but he's incredibly insecure. So he had an identity problem. He didn't really know who God had created him to be. He didn't understand that. So he's hiding, he's insecure, he's afraid. He had a fear of man. And you see this time and again through the life of Saul. Um, now, later on, when uh, there was a giant named Goliath that had gone out and challenged the army of Israel... Saul should have been the one to go out and face Goliath. Saul could have beaten Goliath. Because if God is for you, then who can be against you? Saul was anointed by God to be the king, and he could have taken out Goliath, but he didn't. He didn't didn't step up. He just had a fear. And he he just didn't really know who he was in the Lord. But there was a young boy who did. This young man named David, he happens to be uh, around because he's, he's not even old enough to be a soldier. He's a shepherd, but his dad sends him in because his brothers are soldiers. And so he sends him in to bring some food to his brothers. And while he's there, he hears what's going on with Goliath. And he says, I'll fight him. I'll fight him. Why not? I could, I could, I could defeat this guy. David knew who he was in the Lord. He didn't have an identity crisis. He knew who God had created him to be. He's like, I'm a shepherd. I'm a worshiper. I'm a protector. Anytime a a bear or a lion comes against the herd, then I come out. And just with my staff or with my sling, uh, God has delivered me from the paw of the lion, from the mouth of the bear. And so what is this giant? What can he do? And so this was David's mentality. He just had this incredible, bold mentality, but it wasn't an arrogant mentality. It was like, I know who I am. If God is for me, who can be against me? So David goes out with his sling, and he slings a stone right in Goliath's forehead. Goliath drops dead, and you guys know the rest of the story. David eventually becomes king. And David is kind of a type and a shadow of Christ in the Old Testament. There's a lot of scriptural similarities between David and Jesus. And so, but it's, it's powerful that David knew who he was in the Lord. So, but one interesting thing about it is that before David goes out to fight Goliath, Saul tried to talk him out of it. Saul's like, listen, you don't really want to do this, okay? What we have to learn from that is We cannot let somebody who doesn't know who they are tell us who we are. We cannot let somebody who doesn't know who they are tell us who we are. If you've got people in your life and they don't know who they are in Christ, don't let those people be an influence in your life. You have to know who you are in Christ. So when Saul can't talk David 
out of fighting the giant, he says, okay, well, I want you to put on my armor. And so Saul puts on this heavy armor uh, on David, and David is not used to it. He's never worn this armor before. He's uh, not comfortable with it, and he's like, I can't do it. I'm not going to do it. There's another lesson that we can learn from that. Don't try to copy someone else's identity. You be the person that God has called you to be. Don't compare yourself to somebody else. And I know that we all deal with who are we? Who am I, who am I called to be? These are the, uh, the, the big questions that young adults ask is, who am I called to be? What am I called to do? Who am I called to be with? Who am I called to do life with? Those are the three biggest questions that we're asking. So who am I? What's, what's my identity? Who has God called me to be? We're not going to figure out who God has called us to be by looking around the room, by looking around the school, even looking around the church and comparing our lives to somebody else's. That, they are running the race that God's called them to run. But you've got to run the race that God has called you to run. So unfortunately for Saul, he couldn't go to the cross. Because as he is in the Old Testament, he lived under an old covenant with God. But fortunately for us, we live in the new covenant. We have a new and we have a better covenant with God. God loves us so much that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. That's what God, that's how, God, how's how much God values us. And that is where we can find our true identity. And we're not going to find our identity by looking in the world. We're not going to find our identity by, oh, it's not going to be on TV It's not going to be on the internet. It's not going to be in movies. It's not going to be in music. It's not going to be in fashion. It's not going to be in all of these places. We can search and search and search and just end up disappointed over and over and over again. And if you're looking in those places, I want you to listen to what the Holy Spirit is saying to you tonight. God has a calling on your life. He has somebody special that he has created you to be. So don't compare yourself Don't try to put on somebody else's armor, but go to the cross. Come home to the cross and find out who God has called you to be. And sometimes, like when I was a kid, and you run away from home, like, but you you just make some mistakes, you fail. Everybody knows that you've blown it, that you've fallen short. Sometimes it's difficult to come home, but you can always come home to the cross. The love of God is always, always there. And when Jesus died on the cross, you guys have read the story. When he says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And he says, it is finished. And he breathes his last breath. The, uh, the sky becomes darkened. There was a, an earthquake. And something else that uh, is amazing that happened is that There were dead people that literally rose from the grave at that moment when Jesus died, and they literally crawled out of their graves alive. Like, that is how powerful the crucifixion was. That is how powerful the blood of Jesus is. And I love that because it's an amazing illustration of the power 
of Jesus' death. And it's a, an amazing illustration of, of uh, the power that we have access to. The same power that raised Christ from the dead lives in us. And it's, it's that sacrifice, it's that power, it's that love that gives us the freedom to always be able to come home to the cross. At the cross, our shame is erased. Romans 8, chapter 1, the Apostle Paul says, There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. If you're in Christ, there is no condemnation for you. And I know that we all struggle with this. We struggle with feeling condemned. God's not condemning us. Sometimes we're condemning ourselves. Sometimes it's the enemy, and he's condemning us. And it's, you know, we've, we make mistakes, but the enemy comes in with all this shame, with all this guilt. You know, he tempts us, and he tempts us, and he tempts us. And when we fall into that temptation, he pours on the guilt. You're a loser. I can't believe you did that. You're a failure. You're never going to have a strong relationship with God. You're never going to be special. You're never going to do anything important. You're never going to make an impact because of who you are. And the enemy tries to attack our identity. But that is why we have to keep going back to the cross. We have to keep going back to the good news, the gospel. The cross of Christ erases our shame and awakens our identity. If you're having a struggle with your identity in your life right now, if you're dealing with shame, if you're dealing with guilt, if you've been comparing yourself to everybody else and feeling like that you are not good enough, come home to the cross. Let your shame be erased and your identity be awakened. Remember who God has called you to be. You don't have to put on somebody else's armor. You be the person that God has uniquely created you to be. Remember your fingerprint that nobody else on the earth has the same fingerprint as you do. You're unique. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. You are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works that he's already prepared in advance for you to do. Ephesians 2.10. If you're in Christ, then no longer are you a sinner. You're a saint. Know the good news tonight. Hear the good news tonight. If you're in Christ, you're not a screw-up. You're forgiven. If you're in Christ, you're, you're no longer lost. You are found in him. If you're in Christ, you're no longer unworthy. You can come boldly to the throne of grace to find help. If you're in Christ, no longer are you fatherless. I don't know who needs to hear that tonight. No longer are you fatherless. You have a heavenly father. And he will be there in every way that somebody wasn't there for you. You have a heavenly father that knows the numbers of hairs that are on your head. And who loves you more than any earthly father ever could. More than I could ever love my own kids. God loves my kids more. God loves me. If you're in Christ, you're not empty. You're full of the life of God. You have the resurrection power of God in you. And you got to remind yourself sometimes who you are in Christ. You got to get into the word 
Because if you've been listening to all these other voices, then the gospel can get drowned out by all of the noise. And that is why we, we have to continuously get in the good news. We have to remember who we are in Christ. If you're in Christ, you're not purposeless. You are called by God. Let me tell you something. You have a calling on your life to be great. You have a calling on your life to connect with God on a deep, powerful, uh, close, uh, intimate level. Okay? You have a calling on your life to have such a powerful relationship with God. Well, Kevin, I just don't feel like I'm close to God. I just don't feel like I've been hearing God. I just, I don't feel it anymore. Well, it's not always about what you feel, is it? It's not always about emotions, but God is there by faith. The, we, we walk by faith and not by sight, okay? So it's not always about what you see. It's not always about what you feel, but the word of God is living and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword. We need to hide it in our hearts, because there is a lot of noise out there that's trying to drown out the truth. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. I want you to just look at those words for a second. Look at the words, the wording that's used in that verse. Does that sound like a God who is mad at you? Does that sound like a God that wants to keep you at arm's distance or push you away? Does that sound like a God that says, no, you, you actually went too far and you can't come home? Let us then with confidence. Another, another version says, let us come boldly to the throne. We can, with confidence, draw near to the throne of what? Grace. The throne of grace. How cool is that? That we may receive what? Mercy. And find grace to, to what? To help. I love the, the wording that's used in this verse. It's so powerful. Mercy, grace, help in our time of need. When you need God the most, he'll always be there for you no matter what. When you need him the most, when you need him the least, we always need him. We need God, and we're, we should be so desperate for God. Sometimes our eyes aren't open to how much we actually need God. But when you need God the most, you know, it's like whenever you need a, a, a printer to actually print something, like if it's an emergency and you really need it to come through, you know that there's a 100% chance that that printer is not going to work, Right? Or like when you really need to pull something off the internet and like the Wi-Fi is down. Like it's going to happen. Like when you need it the most, it's just going to fail you because that's the way life is. But God is not that way. When you need him the most, he is there. The cross of Christ erases our shame and awakens our identity. I want us to talk more about this at our tables tonight. I would love for us just to be authentic, to talk about real life issues, what we're going through. Um, and uh, before we do that, I'm going to close in prayer. So if you guys would bow your heads with me, let's go to God. God, we thank you so much for being a loving Savior, a loving Father, for having a throne of grace full of mercy to help us in our time of need. God, we're so grateful 
that we can come boldly. We can come with confidence. We can come even if we're feeling shameful, even if we're feeling guilty, even if we feel like a failure. I thank you that there are no labels at the cross. There's freedom at the cross. There's such powerful love at the cross. And so we come home to you. And Lord, we ask you to awaken our identity. We ask you to remind us once again who we are in you, Lord. Pray for productive conversation today. I pray that, uh, that you would lead us in how we speak to one another, that we would be the body of Christ tonight, that we would encourage and exhort and challenge one another, that we would be, uh, we'd experience authentic community at these tables tonight. And I pray that we would pray spirit-led prayers over one another. In Jesus' name, amen.